sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward Mills. Father, thank you for this time. And to you shall the gathering of the people be. You know our lives. You know where we are at. You know where we are going. You know our struggles. You know our distresses. You know our joys. This evening we subject ourselves and our lives and especially our hearts to you, Spirit of God. We pray that you perform any necessary surgery on our hearts and on our spirits. We pray also that you will give us light. For your word says, the entrance of your word giveth light. Let light enter our hearts. Let the word fall on good soil. And Lord, let it bring light into our lives. I subject myself to you, sweet Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, for your anointing and your grace to do your will. Anoint these lips of clay and let your will be done. Let Jesus be lifted up, that men may be drawn to him. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your seats. Hallelujah. It's good to see all of you again. And it's good to be in your mighty pulpits. Amen. So I want to thank God for this opportunity to be here. And I pray that his will will be done. I want to thank Bishop Dag for releasing me to be here. Wherever he is, God bless him. Amen. When I drove in, you know, I came here for maintain the, maintaining of the aim. And that was the first and last time. And as I drove in today, I was very humbled to see your church in the daytime because I, I didn't come here during the day. But I was humbled by how God can lead a man and how he can give difficult instructions to Bishop and how Bishop would transmit the difficult decision like moving Bishop Sam from Cornerstone to this place when there was nothing here and it seemed like nothing. And I'm like, wow. So is this what was in Bishop Sam's womb? And would he ever have known but for obedience? Amen. 
So I realized, like my husband keeps telling me, being a leader is not easy, and I can see it. And being under God is also not always easy, because you have to do what he says, in spite of whether it's popular, it's not popular, whether it looks sensible, it doesn't look sensible. So I want to salute, first of all, Bishop Dag for his obedience to God. And then I want to salute your very own Bishop Sam, the current convener of the UD. Amen. Please take your seats. I'm still talking, though. <laughs> and I want to salute him for his love for God all these years, his commitment and how far the Lord has brought him. Amen. Amen. And I want to also acknowledge and celebrate his evergreen wife, Lady Pastor Olivia. Amen. It's been a long journey. And I remember when Bishop Sam told me that he was going to be Lavedosa, I said that you believe in Teenage pregnancy. <laughs> because she has always looked like a teenager from NTC. But we thank God for how far he has brought them. Amen. No matter how anointed Bishop Dag is, unless he gets some faithful servants and sons to stand with him, the vision will never be realized. So... I salute you, sir. Amen. I also salute all pastors, lady pastors, many familiar faces. It really feels like home. And also and a lot of new faces. And also all of you who help to support this vision. I think it's a good place to put your hands together. I came with Episcopal sister Emuna Ogo. <laughs> and Lady Pastor Shirley from my office. So God bless us all and a few volunteers. Amen. Well, it's your marriage, model marriage conference or model marriage meeting. And you asked me to talk about before you say I do and after you have said I do. That means that all of us fall into one or the other of these two categories, isn't it? So um, I hope that as I go along, the Holy Spirit will give me grace to touch on both sides and then we would have a question and answer time and trust God to give us light. Amen. Amen. Now, before you say I do, that means before you commit to marriage, what are some of the things that you should look at? First of all, I want to say that you have to count the cost. You have to count the cost and see if you are prepared. 
count the cost and see if you are prepared. Luke 14, verse 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it? Amen. Jesus is saying, when you are going to build a tower, you are supposed to sit down and count the cost and see if whether you have sufficient to finish this journey, to finish this project, or first of all, to even embark on this project at all. You have to sit down and count the cost. Amen. We have a song that says, take up your cross, deny yourself. So before you become a Christian, I love Jesus because unlike your former boyfriend, he doesn't give you false promises. He tells you as it is, you and I. He says it's, going to be, it's not going to be an easy journey. He says all those that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Who tells you that when they want you to follow them? No politician tells you that. But Jesus Christ is not a politician. He's the truth. Amen. So he tells us as it is. And then you count the cost and see, am I willing to follow this man? Am I willing to make him the Lord and Savior of my life? In the same way, before you marry, you should sit down and you should count the cost to see if you are prepared. But many times, we just go by love at first sight. And love at first sight ends up also being love at first flight. It means that you take the first flight out. Amen. And many, 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 especially young people, don't count the cost. They think about decor. They think about wedding dress. They think about choreographed dancing. They think about color scheme. But they don't count the costs of the enterprise into which they are going to engage. Now, Lady Reverend, is there anything that says that we should be prepared? Yes, there is. In the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 34, Paul says there's a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. 35. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that you may attend upon the Lord without distraction. Please take us to 33. 1 Corinthians 7:33. But he that is, no, 32. 32. Oh, I thought you just click. 32. But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried, 
talking about the man. Careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Next verse. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. Verse 34. There's a difference also between a wife and a girl. Amen. There's a difference between a wife and a girl. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the world. That's what sometimes it is. But now sometimes the unmarried women, even the married women care for the things of the Lord more than you. That she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world. How she may please her husband. Amen. Amen. So the cardinal thing is that there's a difference between the unmarried and the married. Amen. Amen. I remember once going to a restaurant with one of our lady pastors years ago. And then there were this group of friends there. So when we entered, the guy, one of them said, oh, I think I know you sitting by us. And I said, really? He said, yeah, somewhere. And I said, really, like where? He said, is it Baum Tavern or is it Kedeke? Well, I know you. And I said, it's none of those. And he said, where is it? I said, it's church. It's probably Lighthouse. Ah, uh, no, I've not been there. Do you go to that Obroni man's church? And I said, yes, I go to the Obroni man's church. So then he, they ended up asking me a question, some spiritual question, which I forget now. So I answered, and after that, the guy said to me, I own this company, and I am divorced. I'm almost going to be 50. But you know, I think I want a wife just like you. And then I said, really? Do you want a female, a woman, or a wife? Then he stood up wow, she's blowing my mind. <laughs> and then he said, why? Is there a difference? I said, there's a big difference. Wifely material is different from a girl, is different from a female, and is different from a woman. Wow. So an unmarried woman is different from an unmarried woman. And there's a difference. This is one of the cardinal things you should know before you say I do. An unmarried man may be doing boys' boys. But a married man has certain responsibilities at home and cannot continue to be doing boys' boys. There's a difference. So now you have to sit down and count the cost. Am I ready to give up some aspects of my boy's boy's behavior and become a husband? If you are not, please sit here somewhere and let somebody's daughter also sit here somewhere. If you are not, please sit here somewhere and let somebody's son 
also sit somewhere so that we we'll all have peace. Amen. Now the Bible says that you have to count the cost. And I think that is why your pastors chose before you say I do and after you say I because those two seasons are two very different seasons. Amen. Now, in Matthew 19, 12, some people feel that they must marry because it's the expectation of society. I'm told that the reason why when you marry, they say don't do, it means you don't know. Don't know. Amen. So you can't know everything, but you can know some helpful things. Amen. So not everybody is supposed to marry, except you have that desire. Amen? If you want to stay a bachelor for the rest of your life, stay a bachelor for the rest of your life. But don't come and tell me that your name is Adam and you are now marrying Steve. Amen? <laughs> so when we look at Matthew chapter 90, it says that, for there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb. So some people are born and they don't have any desire to marry. I have not met any in the charismatic world. Amen? And there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men. Do you understand? Men made them eunuchs. And there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. So for instance, if you are in the Catholic church, you have been made an eunuch by men. Because they say, if you want to be a priest, then don't marry. But they are not telling you to be a priest by force. So you have an option. Amen. In the same way, nobody has told you that you should marry. So when you take that mantle, that vision upon yourself... It comes with some responsibilities. Amen, somebody. And the responsibility is not imposed by men on you. Marriage is God's idea. Marriage is not the idea of the gas. So you say, girl, marriage, you stay here, I stay here. In the evening, you dress, and then you take a basket, and you come across. And then in the morning, you go back. The Bible says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and he shall cleave to his wife. So our standard this evening, our point of reference, is the word of God. Not your tribe, not your family, not what your mother told you, not what your mother-in-law did, not how you feel, not what you think, not by worldly statistics, but by the infallible word of God. That is our standard. Amen, somebody. Amen. So then, when, before you say, I do, you must know that you are building your own foundation. You build your own, you are, you are the architect of your own foundation. In the type of marriage 
that you build. Many times in Fanti, we say, So that gives the impression that Awar is an already built something. And then Eruko, you are entering into marriage. So it's like marriage is already made, and then you are entering. But I have news for you marriage is hard work, marriage is construction, and marriage takes time. So the type of materials you use determines the type of building you are going to have. Amen. Now, we don't see that in movies. When we watch movies, we don't see that marriage is hard work. So we are shocked when we marry. And it entails so much hard work. And then some people who are misguided begin to think, no, 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 Lady Reverend, this is not what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for such hard work. I didn't sign up for tears. I didn't sign up for difficulty. But let me ask you, in your walk with God, are there times when God seems to be far away? Are there times when it seems like God has broken your heart, broken his promises? Are there times when you believe God, but you can't see exactly what he is about? Are there times when you are even suspicious about God that now he has to come and tell you, casting all your cares upon me because I care for you? Why should he tell you that? Because you are having ideas about whether he really cares about you. Why does he have to tell you, I know the plans I have for you, plans of prosperity and not of disaster, to give you a future and a hope? Because you think that the plans he has for you are of disaster. This is a relationship with one perfect person, an imperfect you and I. How much more a relationship with two imperfect people? By all means, you will have some difficulties. You will have some trying moments. But it is not a sign of failure. Amen. But because our minds are not renewed or programmed properly, as soon as we see a little hiccup, we say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm supposed to live happily ever after. It can't be. And Lady Reverend, we are supposed to be Christians. We are supposed to be very spiritual. So how come we, we, we hit bumpy roads? Because you are a Christian, all right, but your flesh is the same. You are very human, and you have a lot of proclivities and a lot of weaknesses. Amen. And so marriage is not made for two perfect people. It's made for two imperfect people with Jesus at the center. Amen. So yes, marry a Christian. In fact, marry the Pope. Yes. I was wondering why you didn't say also a Christian boy. But it's okay, later you sang be nice, so it balanced the equation. But the fact that the person is in church, the fact that the person even loves God, the fact that the person even looks busy in church does not mean he's committed to God's word. Amen? And a lot of young people are judging by activity in church. Amen, ladies? 
So, do you like him? Yes. Is he committed? Oh, yes, Lady Reverend. He's very busy. In fact, he even holds the bishop's bag. And he's always in the bishop's office. And Lady Reverend, he's always around. All these are good indicators, but they are not enough. Amen. Paul said, I'm going, and by all means, wolves will come among the sheep. Amen. So somebody may be very committed to church, but may not be committed to marriage or to the institution or to you. Amen. Not that it should be that way, but it happens. And I have had Christian surprises because in our time, usually it correlated. When a person loved God, he served. And when he served, he was a proper Christian. But now, I can't tell. The Bible says, these are the who have crept in on our ways. Amen. So before you say, I do, you have to ask God to give you a discerning spirit so that you can discern, so that you can see. Amen. Because sometimes we are even pointing out to you and you say no. One sister who is now a lady pastor, one of our branches, she told me that when she went for marriage counseling and they were doing communication in marriage, they said, don't shout at each other. And she was thinking to herself, hey, so she just threw it over her head. It's like, huh, do people behave like that? Not me. And they said, don't say never. You never do this. You never do this. Ah, the type of love we have. How can we say never do this? Never. So don't say you are always late. You always come late. So, ah, everything was nonsense to her. And then when she got married, oh my. She said, uh, this was what they were talking about. But I thought that it didn't apply to me. So unless reality sets in, you are living on cloud nine. It is said that love is blind, but the neighbors are not. Only you and the other person, you are blind. But the rest of us, we can see. Amen. So before you say, I do, commit everything to God in prayer. That's what Christians don't do. Christians don't pray. The Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, Proverbs chapter 3, and he shall direct thy paths in all your ways. All, not some, not majority of the ways, not some of the ways, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And here comes a problem. He shall direct your paths. Sometimes you don't want him to direct your paths. You are seeing the red flags and you are saying, oh, it's just part of the Ghana flag. It's not really a red flag. Amen. But God wants to be acknowledged in all that we are doing. So you need to pray, God, lead me to the right partner. And then lead me even when I meet the person to know what your will is for me. Amen. So Christians should not be like unbelievers. Unbelievers don't pray. Whatever they see, they like, they look at the equation, it balances, then they are fine. But you as a Christian, 
you have a duty to bring your would-be relationship to God in prayer. Amen. And then ask others for what they see. Because I told you, love is blind, but the neighbors are not. The Bible says in a multitude of counsel, there is safety. It doesn't mean you don't get to make your choice or your decision. It means that you collect the multitude of counsel and then at the end of the day, you make your own decision. Amen, somebody. But it is necessary that you have a multitude of counsel. When I was going to get married, or when I even had a beloved, I had a family member who said to me that this is not the kind of person you should marry. She didn't seem to have any reason. It was just a feeling. And this family member was an arch unbeliever. So I didn't know what she was looking at. But then she would say that, oh, this person who comes to visit you is better. This other person is better. And I thought, I think because she's not spiritual, everything spiritual repels her, you know. But she went on to tell my mother, who had not met my beloved, that, oh, my Miss Beloved mm, is not the right person. I think also that my husband was very lanky, and maybe <laughs> she didn't see what, like, what would the future be. But by God's grace, we had waited on God. And I believed, and he believed that this was God's will for us. And that place has kept me over the years. Because I said I, hear, I heard from God. I said this is what God told me. I said this is God's will. So then, when the going gets tough, you still have to stick to God's will because you heard from God. But when you don't hear from him, you don't have a point of reference. And it can really make things. You know, when my husband speaks, he always says that, I told my beloved, yes, I like you, but I need God's will. So you stay, I'm going to pray. As if the beloved did not pray. She went to pray. And he heard from God. And when he came and said that, the beloved who had not prayed just said yes. But that's pulpit power. And it's allowed. Amen. But having prayed, I always go back to that place. And I remember that it took us a while to pray. He said that, yes, emotionally, that's how we feel for each other. But if God says no today, I will drop everything now. So let's pray and see what God is saying. So we went our separate ways. I think the university closed down. Then he went to London. I was in Takwadi. And then I was praying. And the morning, over a period of time, the morning that I felt that God had spoken and that I knew, I didn't know what God had told him, but I knew for myself that, yeah, I think God is in this. Then my mother just opened my door. Immediately after my quiet time, I said that, if you marry that guy, I'll be very disappointed. But because I had sought the Lord for some time, and I knew what I believed God had told me. I knew that 
They didn't know him. So I kept telling my mother, I said, you don't know him. This, my aunt has told you things, and you are using that to judge. That's when she told me that, you know something? All boxers in Ghana are guns. And they beat. Oblitekomi, DK Poison, Aikwate, Azuma Nelson. They are all boxers. And they beat. I realized that her statistics were right. But I knew the God that I knew. You know, I was the first to be born again in my house. So I knew the God that I knew. So I just said, God, please change their hearts. And so my husband came, long story short. He came to look for me in my house, but I intentionally went to my friend's house at Teshinungwa because I was feeling some way. Anyway, in the end, he got to meet me. And then we went to his house. And my husband is very romantic. <laughs> you see, when you see the two of us, you will think I am romantic, but I'm not. I'm loving, but I'm not romantic. But my husband is a romantic one, you know. So we went to their little sitting room and he said, Mommy, I've got something to tell you. And then he, he told me, I think that God has told me that this is his will and I want to whatever, whatever. And so I want to also ask you, just when he said that, then Bishop Adi knocked. Hey! <laughs> My husband had come from the UK. Hey, Charlie, how? So how are the folks? We're not happy because he was destroying... He was destroying our atmosphere. Then I was just quiet looking at him and said, Hey, Charlie, did you bring my dates? And my husband said, mm, It's upstairs. Still, the man was not catching the. Then, at a point, I saw that he quickly got up. And then he said, Oh, you're so later. So when he left, my husband said, ah, Edipa. <laughs> then I asked him, so how come he went? He said, I wrote it in my palm. Please leave us alone. <laughs> Amen. So well. I said yes and all that. And he said that, oh, we have to crown this answer with something. So he went to the music and then he put on Andre, Andre Crouch. The question is, will I ever leave you? The answer is no, 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 no. <laughs> so you see, my husband is very romantic. So after such a thing, how can there ever be a difference between the two of you? After such a charged atmosphere that Bishop Adi was trying to spoil. All those things are nice, but they are preliminary and they are not marriage. It leads to marriage and it's supposed to continue. That's why 
I believe he wrote the song, Be Nice. Because as you go along the journey, the niceness starts to ooze out. And I don't want you to be like my sister who everything they said. She said, ah, do people do that? Not my husband and I. As for us, we are a special couple. But rather, we must accept in humility that we are followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen, somebody. So now I decided to go through some of our vows because that's what you say when you are saying I do. Please, you understand. <laughs> and let you ever, why the vows? Why do we have to look at the vows? Because you are vowing to God. It seems you are vowing to each other. But you are vowing because you are Christians and you are vowing to God. Okay? So Jacob, he made a vow to God and said that if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then God shall be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that thou shalt give me, I will give you a tenth of. And that covenant has held true up to today, which is what the tithe is based on. Amen. And Psalm 66, verse 13 to 14 says, I will go into thy house with burnt offerings, I will pay my vows which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. We say a lot of things when we are in trouble or when we are happy and then we don't do them. But Ecclesiastes 5, 4 to 6, please put that up. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools pay that which thou hast vowed better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin neither say thou before the angel that it was an error wherefore should god be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands please put it in New Living Translation or NIV. New Living Translation, if you have. Don't let your mouth make you sin. And don't defend yourself by telling the temple messenger that the promise you made was a mistake. That's what some Christians are saying now. Oh, it was a mistake. The promise I made that till death us do part is a mistake. The promise I made that I will never leave you is a mistake. The promise I made that you should be my wife, forsaking all others, is a mistake. <clears throat> that would make God angry. And he might wipe out everything you have achieved. So sometimes, some people have told themselves, it's a mistake. Take your things and go, it's a mistake. And then when things are not working, you say, 
It's this woman I married. Because of her, my business has gone down. My ministry has gone down. My this has gone down. But it's because of your actions. Everything you have achieved is being wiped out and you can't see. Amen? So let us be careful with the things we vow. Jephthah vowed to God after victory in battle. The Lord, whatsoever comes first to greet me, I will sacrifice to you. Not knowing that his daughter, I think his only daughter, would come and meet him with joy. And being the man that he was, like the men of old, he had to sacrifice the daughter. That's how serious a vow is. Amen. So I'm going to go through the vows. Okay? The minister stands and says, Dearly beloved, we are gathered here in the sight of God and in the face of this congregation to join together this man and this woman in holy matrimony. Marriage is done in the presence of God. Amen. So when we gather for the wedding, we are gathered in the sight of God. Your marriage is contracted in the sight of God. And post-marital, your marriage still remains in the sight of God. Amen, somebody? I think that we are oblivious to that fact. Because of all the fanfare that surrounds the marriage, we forget about the presence of God. But that is why the pastor is standing there in the first place. And he says that it's to join together this man and this woman in holy matrimony. Now the Bible says for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they too shall be one. So the pastor is only performing what the Bible says and he's joining you together. Now before you say I do, you should know that it's two lives coming together. We say in our model marriage that when two rivers meet, there is some roughness before they start to flow quietly and smoothly. Amen. So now, if you are going to join yourself to somebody, you must ask yourself, where is he going? What are his values? What are his beliefs? Like they sang, I want a Christian girl. So now you found the Christian girl, but what are her values? You've gone and you've married her, or she has married you. Now, both of you are masters in the house. Masters because the two of you have master's degree. Now you decide that you are going to see greener pastures, or let's say you win the lottery, and then you go. When you go, somebody has to start work before there will be enough money to pay the fees of the second person. You didn't think all that was part of marriage, but it is. Even before you go, you want to live in Bogatanga, and she wants to live in Accra. And they are joining you together. How is the joining going to be? These are real issues that come up. And nowadays, 
a lot of sisters are also very well educated. So they say, you know something? You do your PhD in Las Palmas. I will do mine in Labadi, and then we'll see how. Whereas the Bible has said that even when you are in the same house, come together quickly, let Satan tempt you in terms of sexual relations. So now, where are you going? You say you are doing your PhD in Las Palmas. You've come to get married to me, but I'm not expecting to follow you. This is the new, the modern lady. Amen. One lady came to my office and said, so I'm a medical doctor. I want to become an orthopedic surgeon. My husband-to-be was st studying in the UK and I was supposed to go and join him for specialization. Now he's come back to Ghana saying that he doesn't think the prospects in the UK are bright. So he prefers to live in Ghana. So, Sister Mami, what happens to my dreams? And I said, it depends on what is your priority. Now you are not married to him, but the relationship is advancing. Now you say you want to go and be an orthopedic surgeon. I can't tell you that, oh, just shelve your interest, you know, and follow him. I don't know what will happen. Because maybe later he won't give you money. You don't have money. Then you'll be saying, this mommy said, I should give up my orthopedic surgery. And then now I'm depending on this man and he's not giving me any money. But these are the realities that stay in our faces with marriage. You are being joined together. It's not one year and one day. So talk about such things. But some people even say, oh, yes. I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to go on missions. As soon as I do happens, they say, ah, uh, I didn't think properly. I've changed my mind. And then that young missionary may have to go on mission alone. And as he's alone, he started a new church. He's in the southern part of Africa where the women are more proactive than the women in West Africa. <clears throat> so they see that, oh, this is our new pastor who has come. He's very lonely. When is his wife coming? They've been counting. The wife is not coming. And they decide, oh, pastor, I would like to come and wash your things for you. Hon. Because, pastor, the Bible says, let brotherly love continue. So in brotherly love continuing, you are washing things. Then later is cooking. Then later is whatever. Then you are in Ghana. Then you hear that things are happening. Then you say that my husband is not a man of God. He's a cheat. He's this. He's that. Now who calls him? Amen. So look at your vision. It is when there are two division, two visions that you get division, which is two division. The vision is divided into two. Amen. So I said to join together this man and this woman. Is the joining going to work? Amen. Where are you going? When Jacob was leaving, he left with his two wives. And he said to Laban, give me my two wives that I may take them away. 
You see, in Abraham's case, Jacob's case, they didn't decide to be polygamists. Abraham, his wife, gave him Hagar, but even then it wasn't a marriage. Amen? T.D. Jake says he's, he's about to discover a woman who does that, but they exist. <laughs> Amen? So if there's going to be a jointly together, before you say, I do, think about where each of you is going. The man is telling you, I want to be in the ministry. The man is telling you, this is what I see. In fact, we don't always see everything. But as we go along, things can come along. Some people are called into ministry later. Hmm? And some people, it's not even ministry. It's like just work or professions or what are you going to do? How are you going to be joined together? Everybody has to leave something, come together to cleave. Which one are you going to do? So those of you not married, think about it properly. But every time you draw the brothers into it, you draw the sisters into it, and then now, when you have to move together, you say, oh, I think I will stay here, and you stay here. When you call him, you hear babies crying in America. I say, who is that baby? Every day is the neighbor's baby. Hmm. Beware. So before you say I do, look at the journey and see where you are going. And you must be prepared to give up something. Amen. I remember many years ago, I was working at the Attorney General's Department. And I was at the Legislative Drafting Division where you make laws. You draft the laws for cabinet, for parliament, after the sector ministries have told you what to do. Then it goes to the president, then he goes through, then it goes to parliament, three readings. If it becomes law, then you make it the law, then it goes back for presidential assent, then it becomes the law. And it was a very specialized field. We were very few, like maybe seven or eight. And you needed to go for master's two years to become a certified legislative drafts person. So it was intense, but it came quickly because we were not many. So when it got to my turn, I wasn't really thinking about it because I thought that in my situation it wouldn't work. So I came and I told my husband, they've given me forms to sign and I have to go to Barbados for two years to go and do this master's. But I hear that the scholarship comes with so much money, so I can come on holiday some of the times. And he didn't even say, wait and let me think about it. He just said, I'm not going there. I said, what does it mean? He said, no, 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 it won't work. I said, oh, it won't work that way. I said, me, I can't live without my wife, so I can't do it, that's it. So I went back to the office and I was called into a meeting. And my boss said, so what about the masters? And every time you came back, this was the boss's office. The next one, the next one. So you kept shifting, you know. So I told my boss, my husband is not game. Said, hey, so are you going to follow a man for your career? 
All these people who have gone, are they not married? They are married. And you are saying, so it was a meeting. After that, one of our male colleagues who was my senior came, knocked on my door and said, Adelaide, I respect your husband. But I said, why? I said, because he has told you the truth. Hey, when I went, I didn't survive. Oh. I, said, <clears throat> I said, really, why? What happened? If I don't even know whether I should say. He said, oh, I got prostitutes to service me. So what your husband, he said, of course, I couldn't say it at the meeting, but Adelaide, it's very real. It's true. So just the cost of it was that everybody who came every year went above me, and I kept being moved to the bottom of the veranda. Do you understand? But at least I believe it saved my marriage and it saved me and that's how come by God's grace I'm here today so something has to give ladies amen somebody said all oh, the ladies now they come into the marriage with their right hands because they know their rights amen but when a woman also gives up so much you the brother you can't also take it for granted amen and maltreat her you can't and you shouldn't amen ladies so the joining together means so many things it means giving up things that are comfortable for you i always tell the singles when you go home you sleep in peace nobody wakes you up in the middle of the night Nobody wakes you up at odd hours. Amen? But when you marry, you give up some comfort. Amen? Brothers, when you marry, your wife wants your companionship. When we listen to be nice, he said, talk to her. Before you married, you had furniture around you. You didn't bring her into the marriage to make her also a piece of furniture. She is a human being. She needs fellowship. Amen, ladies. You have come to bring me into your life. Amen. So you can't put me down like a mantelpiece. When you come, you walk past it. You walk past it. And then in the night, you stretch out your hand. And when I say, who is that? You say, I'm robber. Amen. Joining together. Two incongruous, two incongruous temperaments are being joined together. Amen? Usually opposites attract. So we have come, we say, oh, join together this man and this woman. They are joining two opposing temperaments. Amen? The phlegmatic, who when you tell her, she says she will do it. It's going to take five months, but she will do it. The choleric who says, it's now. We are doing it now. We are moving now. We are doing this now. These two have been joined together by the Lord and the priest. 
How is it going to be in the house? So before you say I do, know that even the fusing of the two incongruous opposite temperaments also will create some turbulence. Amen. Then family backgrounds. To join together this man and this woman. You in your house, you celebrate 25th December by going house to house. You visit relatives from house to house. And then in my house, 25th, my father always locked the gate. It's only us. We, we are 13, you know, so we don't need anybody to be happy. If we multiply by our spouses, we are 26. If each spouse has two children, we are 52. But some spouses have more than two children. And then we will lay a long table. And we will eat and eat and if you ring the bell, nobody will mind you. You blow your horn, nobody will mind you. And then we do a lot of drama. Drama, acting, dancing. We even have an anthem. Yes. We are the children from Baden's house. We are going to entertain you and give the pleasure unto you. We come from Baden's house. We are the famous Badens. Famous Badens. So now you marry. And then your husband says, oh, 24th night. You are now going to do shepherd's pie. You are going to dress and sit around the table. You sat around the table all right on 25th. But now the person is moving 25th to 24th. For you, that's not Christmas. So it becomes a problem. No. 24th is not Christmas. It's not Christmas. Me, my father didn't do that. Then he also says, me too, my father didn't do that. The joining together of this man and this woman in holy matrimony. Amen. All these are subtle differences. How you deal with money. How you look at finances. The decisions you take. Some of you, 31st, you are paid. By first, it's finished. And you are going to join yourself to that person. It has all its implications. Amen. But often, God gives us each other so that we will help the other's weaknesses. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like sometimes, you are a very good keeper of time, but your spouse is not. Or you are very good with money, but he's not. Now, the other person must recognize the strengths of the other person and bring them in, but it's not always the case. The other person temperamentally is very frank and sharp, and you are very diplomatic and soft. So when the arrows come, shh, shh, Take me to mama. It's too much. <laughs> One brother came. We had a marriage seminar. And he came and said, I have a problem. I don't know what's wrong with my wife. We've been married. I think it was just a year. Every time she's crying. When I ask her, what? Take me to mama. Take me to mama. <laughs> anyway, I have news for you. She has not gone to mama because she now has four children. <laughs> Every time I say, I say, if you had gone to mama. Will you get fortune? 
Amen. So joining is so many things. Suddenly somebody has a say in your finances. Suddenly. Suddenly somebody has a say, let's go here, let's do, I mean, why? Were you not free on your own? But those are the implications of marriage. And it is still a blessing. Amen. It also joins together a man and a woman who are also very different. It is said that a woman is a pressing iron and a man is a light bulb. In modern marriage, that's what we see. As soon as you switch on the switch, the man is on. But the woman is a pressing iron. She takes time to heat up. Amen. And the light bulb has no patience for the pressing iron. Because the light bulb says, how come me when I press, no prayer, I'm on. And you, uh, you've been on for one minute, no heat. The, the, the dress is not getting straightened. How come? But we need to celebrate each other's differences. And instead of criticizing the differences, understand the differences and bring each other along. That means that the wife will not say that because I am an ion, I can never be a light bulb. Even the present ion has some small light on it that shows you that it's on. Amen. And the man too cannot say that, as for me, I'm a bulb. I can never, even bulbs also generate heat when they've stayed on for a while. Amen. So, before you say I do, and when you said I do, please know all these. We go on with the vows, which is an honorable estate instituted of God himself signifying unto us the mystical union which is betwixt Christ and his church, which holy estate Christ adorned and beautified, and is commended in holy writ to be honorable among all men, and therefore is not by any to be enterprised, nor taken in heart unadvisedly, lightly, or wantonly, but reverently, discreetly and soberly and in the fear of God, duly considering the causes for which matrimony was ordained. The Bible says, do, uh, the, the manual says, do not take it unadvisedly, lightly or wantonly, but duly considering. So you have to think about what you are saying and what you are going to do in the marriage. You can't just Take it lightly, oh, we are just marrying, oh, we just love each other and we are just marrying. No, it's not to be taken in hand unadvisedly, lightly, or unwantonly. But you have to duly consider the reasons for marriage. Amen. So before you say I do, think about the reasons for marriage. And when you have said I am done, remember that there are some reasons why God instituted marriage. It also says in the fear of God. There's no fear of God in our marriages. And we are using a lot of human wisdom 
The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, do not, be, do not conform to this world, but we are conforming so much to the world's way of thinking. But be transformed. How? By renewing your mind according to the word of God. I was in Dubai not long ago, and we took a taxi. And then I asked the driver, he was telling me, he was telling us he was Muslim. So I said, oh, you are Muslim. So do you have four wives? No, 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 never. I said, oh, why? Is it not a nice thing to have four wives? I said, no, 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 no. I'm okay with the one I have, no. And I said, oh, can you explain? He said, the Quran says that when you take four wives, you must love all of them the same. Treat all of them equally and give gifts equally. And that's very hard. So he would rather not. This is what a Muslim is saying. And Christians want to go the way. Somebody sent me a text. He was leaving his wife and I said, the reasons you've given me, I can't see any scriptural basis for what you are saying. He said, oh, mommy, really? This is the verse. No one who has left husband, wife, children, whatever, wife, mother, father, for the kingdom of God's sake, will not receive. And I said, really? This, the, the verse before this, 28, says that we have left everything to follow you. That was Peter. And then Jesus said, no one who has left. But in the epistles, Paul tells Peter, do we not also have a right to lead about a sister? So Peter did not divorce his wife. So the leaving does not mean. So what are you saying? Say, so, uh, I mean, that's what uh, I believe or I, whatever. I told you that you are a fool, that's all. You are just a fool. And you are using your life as a guinea pig, thinking that these decisions are just light and easy. You have not been married even for two years, and you are telling me this based on what? Duly considering. Duly considering the reasons for which matrimony was ordained. Amen. The Bible, uh, the, the manual says that, and the Bible, it was ordained for the increase of mankind. First of all, then secondly, it was ordained for a remedy against sin and to avoid fornication that such persons that have not the gift of self-control might marry and keep themselves undefiled members of Christ's body. It was ordained as a remedy against sin. Amen. So sisters, you are the remedy. Amen. Now when you are not married, you say, oh, but these married women, why is sex a problem for them? They should just flow. I agree with you, but it's not as simple as that. Because when you get married, issues come up. And sometimes you are so annoyed with your spouse, you don't want even his little finger to touch your little toe. 
And for you, the whole experience is an emotional experience. So you say, Lady Reverend, me, I was tired. I didn't feel like it. They said that sisters have some headache. It only comes at 9 p.m. Every day. But what the Bible says is that defraud not one another. Defraud. And Mao said, defraud is a criminal offense. How many sisters are guilty here? Amen. Reverend Isu said something to me. So I said, "Yeah, no, mommy, we yeah, no, yeketa baako. Our mat is one. Inti, when we are denied like that, it's not easy for us because we are bound to God. So, sisters, look, how long? Uh, even if it's one hour." How long? And also, we don't believe that our bodies are not for us. We believe that it's for us. But the Bible says your body is not for you. When you have a bag that is not for you, and the owner asks for it, you just give it to the owner. Amen, ladies. It's for us. Amen. It says the husband's body also does not belong to him. But the husband is all. Keep quiet. The husband is always taking that body and taking it to the computer room. And not bringing that body to fellowship with his wife because you think that it belongs to you but it does not belong to you according to the scripture amen <laughs> amen the brothers from today, there shall be no defrauding. Amen. <laughs> that is why the Bible says that drink water out of thine own system. Amen. And Bishop Doug will ask you, how many times do you drink water? Very frequently. And so what does it mean for the sisters? Proverbs 5 verse 15 Message Bible Or NLT to is fine Drink water from your own cistern Do you live in translation? Which one is this? Message Drink water from your own well Share your love only with your wife Next verse why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone next verse you should reserve it for yourselves 
never share it with strangers. Verse 18. <laughs> Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. 19. She is a loving dear, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. Amen. May you always be captivated by her love. So sisters, you are the only authorized well that the man can drink from. Amen. And brothers, I have a word for you. The Bible says here, let her breast satisfy you. Allow her breast to satisfy you. Don't look for others. Allow. Allow. Permit. Amen. If we were to follow the Bible, many issues will not be issues. Amen. So when you know your body is not your own, even when you are tired, you are not looking for your own comfort. Marriage is a very sacrificial thing. Amen. And those of you who are not married, pray that God will make you a, a, a pleasant well to drink from. Amen. It was ordained as a remedy against sin. It was ordained for mutual society help and comfort. That the one ought to have of the other, both in prosperity and in adversity. Marriage is supposed to improve our lives and give help one to another. Amen. So it shouldn't be one-sided. One person helping you, but you don't bring anything to the table. And help is not just financial. Amen? Help sometimes is even just encouraging words. Help is sometimes just words of admiration. When was the last time you told your wife she looks nice? The only time you comment on her dressing is when it's not working. When it's working, you say nothing. But when it's not working, you say, hey. But what was this? What are you wearing? Amen. Mutual society help and comfort. So now we come to the vows. I'll jump, I'll jump some and then the minister asks, Will thou have this woman standing by your side to be thy wedded wife? To live together, not mouse apart. <clears throat> after God's ordinance, not after the internet. In the holy, it is a holy estate, not a defiled estate. Amen? Will thou love her? Comfort her. Honor and keep her. 
and forsaking all others, including that secretary in your office. Keep thee only unto her, so long as you both shall live. Then the groom says, I certainly will. What have you said certainly will to? You are, this, you are saying that I certainly will live with this woman together. Not that when something happens, then I move to the guest room. Amen? When something happens, I move to another room because I'm angry. The Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. So when it's sunset and it's dark like this, all anger must cease. Amen. You are no wiser than God to live together in the holy estate of matrimony. Mm. Will thou love her? When you read 1 Corinthians 34 to 8, you should know that what you are saying is not easy. So before you say I do, know also that even agape love, which is God's unconditional love, where it starts from, before you add errors and all that, is not an easy thing. For instance, it says love suffers long and is kind. How can you be kind when you are suffering? Tell me. Amen. Love suffers. Then so you come to the officer, you say, Sister Mammy, now they are can't again. The suffering is too much. What? Hey. Long suffering. The, before I say I do, people, are you there? Are you ready to suffer long? If you are not ready, you are not ready to marry. Love is not boastful, nor arrogant. You talk to your wife anyhow, you push her anyhow, you talk to your husband anyhow, you are so insolent. Love does not behave itself unseemly. Love is not easily provoked. Provocation, anger, be beyond wayful. At the drop of a hat, you are angry. Your rage. When they bring the kelele, it's a little cold. You pour all on the floor just now. That's you in action. Love is not easily provoked. And provocation is not only anger. Provocation is being too easily hurt. You have to develop some muscles. Not everything you are hurt. Tuesday I was hurt. 8 a.m. I was hurt. 9 a.m. you did this. I was hurt. 10 a.m. you are Hey. Don't wear your heart on your sleeve. Amen? Amen. Be strong. Amen. And be strong in the Lord. Amen. To love. Comfort. Are you there when your wife needs your comfort? Brothers. <laughs> you have come to make the vow. Would thou love her? Comfort her. When was the last time you comforted everyday criticism? You are this, you are that, you are that. Why are you not like Sister Mommy? Do you live in my house with me? Amen. Comfort. Comfort. What's your wife disturbed about? 
Do you put your arms around and say, babes, it's going to be all right. Babes, we are, going, we are in this together. And we are going to make it. Say, she, put your arms together. Without love, comfort, and honor. Honor. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, no man yet hateth his own body, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. Your wife is part of your body, according to the Bible. And it says that you should nourish. Nourish means you are putting in some ingredients that will make the person grow properly. Nourish and cherish means to hold in high esteem, to hold dear and to honor. But how come every time you are going out to there, you leave a hundred miles behind? When you meet your friends, you will never introduce your wife. When you are calling her in the house, say, why, why? Hey, why, why? All these things I've counseled on before. As soon as the lady married, the husband never mentioned her name. Why, 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 why? honor the fact that she's supposed to submit doesn't mean you shouldn't respect her it doesn't mean you should talk to her anyhow because you are the head christ doesn't treat us that way because he is the head so no man hateth his own body ephesians 5 but nourisheth and cherisheth so it's important honor and keep her some of you brothers, you don't try in the bedroom. When your head hits the pillow, no water. You are not able to keep your woman happy. Amen. Look, nothing is already made. Marriage is an adventure. It's supposed to be for you, the two of you, to grow up together. Amen. And keep her. You don't know how to keep her. You say every day, every day, headache, every day. What have you done that makes her always give excuse of headache? You know, sometimes you say the sisters don't bath, but majority of you don't bath. Even pajamas, you don't have some. You wear some ragamuffin. Then you are just bouncing around the house. Then when you are going out, then you wear your jeans. And you, then you do aftershave and then you are going. Join prayer. Amen. Comfort and keep her. Honor and keep her. What will keep your wife engaged? What will keep your wife engaged? Keep her. How do you contribute to how she looks, how she dresses, her needs, how to keep her? How do you even think about it? Or she's like a single parent, although she's married to you. They said, be nice, buy her gifts, take her out. Amen. When she says, so let's go to a restaurant, I said, wait a bit to me at the 20. 
you are calculating. Everything you are calculating. Oh. <laughs> Amen. Then we come to the bride. No, and forsaking all others, keep thee only unto her, so long as you both shall live. So long as you both live. God's mind is that the covenant is forever. Amen. It's not everything in skirts that you should go following after. You are not an area dog. If you are an area dog, then your wife is also an area dog. Female area dogs are not faithful to one. They sleep with all. They'll be going under the gate. Then you'll be doing a metal to cover them. And they are still going. Amen. Then we come to the bride. Would thou have this man standing by your side? To be thy wedded husband. To live together. After God's ordinance, I think I've spoken about that, in the holy estate of matrimony, will thou obey him and serve him? It's not a nursery rhyme. Amen, sisters. Because you are wearing the gown, you didn't hear obey. Amen. Years ago, when uh, Princess Diana was getting married to Prince Charles, I think it was in 1981, and then I was watching it later, I think, with my husband, but we we're not married. And then when they said, obey him, Princess Diana stopped and looked at Charles. It's like, obey him. <laughs> Before she continued. So you too, when you were saying to obey him, you didn't know the implications. Beloved, there can never be two captains in one ship. Never. It's not that you don't matter as a woman, but anything with two heads is a freak. Amen. That doesn't mean you cannot be reasoned with or things cannot be discussed. After all, Almighty God. He says, come, let us reason together. So husbands, even God calls me and an entity to come and reason with me. By you, everything is martial law. Everything is martial law. <laughs> Amen. But God invites me. He says, come, let us reason together. And then he adds that, though your sins be as God. So the fact that your wife has offended you does not mean you cannot have a discussion with her. Though your sins be as red as scarlet, they shall be white as wool. So God knows my shortcomings, but he calls me to reason with me. Almighty God, what reasoning do I have? And when God said he would destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham said, oh, if you find 50, will you? God said, okay, 50, I won. What about 40? Some of you would have said, oh, yeah, no. From 50, who call 40? From 40, who call 30? From 30, who call 20? I don't know who I am, sir. But not Jehovah. So if you want to be like God, there must be some type of balance. Amen. 
But when everything is over, one person has to take the decision. When there's a ship, there's first captain, second captain, but at the end of the day, the captain, one, pe chairman, one, has to take the decision. Amen. So, ladies, you came to say in the vow that to obey him. To obey him. Amen. Now, let me digress a little to say that sometimes obedience can be difficult. Sometimes submission can be difficult, especially when you think it's not the right decision. But it's like when you go to work. Sometimes your boss takes a decision. You don't think it's the right decision, but you don't get up and say, boss, you know something? This is your decision, eh? It will bring the company to nothing. And it will... You don't do that. You may even be called on say, oh, Mrs. Ofori, what do you think? Oh, boss, I think that if we did that, well, maybe it's a board meeting, but there's a chairman. And then the chairman says, okay, we are doing this. Because of his position, he's allowed to take that decision. So as a woman, what do you do? You will need a lot of intercession. Why? Because the Bible says the king's heart is in God's hands. And he turns it whithersoever he will. So it's God who can turn the king's heart. It's not your shouting. It's not your rebellion. It's not your insults. But your prayers. Amen. And then some wisdom. Remember Abigail? She was a woman of good understanding. But I don't know how a woman who has good understanding can marry a fool. But it happened. And when David came and asked for food, neighbor said, there's no food. Go away. These days, these people who have come, did it. meanwhile, David had been security for them without charging them and all that. And Abigail didn't know. Oops. So when eventually she got to know, she decided to take figs, uh, dressed animal, raisins, and things to David. And when she got there, she actually interceded for Nabal because she said, upon me, let the sin of Nabal be upon me. Amen. Did she go to the room and tell Nabal, are you the one that, when David's people came, look, me, I don't think I would have immediately taken Abigail's course of action. I would have gone to the bedroom to ask, are you the one who David came to ask for this? And you, you, you spoke like that to him. Ah, but you are even sharing sheep for your servants. So you can't give them. By that time, David's army would have reached and slaughtered all of us. So we need a certain divine wisdom, ladies. The Bible says about the virtuous woman, she opens her mouth with wisdom. So we need divine wisdom to know how to maneuver when there are decisions we don't agree with. Not to have a coup d'etat. Excuse me. Amen. So you say to obey and to serve him. Is there? You were wearing the red gown, the white gown. You said it. To obey him, to serve him. And now when he comes, he asks you, Can I have a cup of tea? He said, When you walk past the kettle, 
Anna, you needed your glasses, you see. Then you go to church or to your work, and your boss comes in in his suit and he says, Eugenia, can I have a cup of tea, please? Then you are following him. Boss, please, is it chamomile? Is it green tea? Is it jasmine? Or it is elderflower? Please, which one is it? And he said, eh, which one should I have? I think the elderflower, because it has, and I think green tea, because it's an antioxidant. And it's, uh, then when you go home, your husband says, oh, I would like some tea. What do you want so? What do you want so? I'm persia with the answer. I feel Bisati, ampesiso, ya nunti guso, ya nunti guso ana. Amen, ladies. Are we changing? To obey and to serve. Service is beautiful. Service does not. Service does not make you a lesser person. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to be the servant of all. Jesus wiped the feet of his disciples, although he was the king of kings and he was the son of God. But this generation, you know, sometimes I hear them speaking, they say, hmm, mommy, so why should we do this? I said, because it's role differentiation. What is role differentiation? What about my brother? Why is he sitting there? He should also... Then at a point, their friends have come. When I say, oh, do you say? They look at their friends. It's patriarchy. Patriarchy. Amen. And I ask them, if you serve, what does it take from you? It only makes you beautiful. And when you serve, God uses that to lift you up. Amen. To obey and to serve. I'm coming to the end. Will thou obey him, serve him, love, honor, and keep him? Love, honor, and keep him. Amen, ladies. Without love him. You see, in Titus 2. The Bible says, among other things, that the older women should teach the younger women. Do you know the first thing it says? To love their husbands. I remember the first time I read, I'm like, oh, but would you marry without loving your husband? Well, why are they saying that they should teach younger women to love their husbands? Because as you go on the journey, your love can get finished. Your love can fade. And your love can reduce drastically. And your love can wane. Am I saying something? <laughs> so when you say, will thou love him? You need to be taught sometimes. What does a man feel when you do is love? You understand? What is the man's love language? Because sometimes he wants more to be blessed in the bedroom than for you to be doing other things. 
Amen. And then you also think, no, 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 this is more important. And this is love. So you have to learn the language. Will thou love him? Will thou love him? Honor. The Bible says, let the wife see to it that she reverences her husband. See to it. It means that sometimes we have the tendency to cross the line a little. Amen, ladies. The greatest thing a man wants is respect. Is the greatest thing. See to it that you reverence him. Amen. It means that sometimes you can be careless about it. So he's saying that see to it, like let your mind come there, like be conscious about it. Amen. So see to it that you reverence your husband. He's annoying you, but you hold him in high esteem. He's annoying you, but you reverence him. Reverence even in the way you speak to the person. You may even be upset, but some insults cannot come out of your mouth. Some things don't, just don't come. They don't just get there, you know. You can't. Like, it's a line. You, you, you are not accustomed to crossing that line. But some of you, you are accustomed. I once went to a home because I had spoken to the husband and I said, I have a wedding. But you people, your situation is some way. So after the wedding, I will pass by your house. So when I got there, I knocked on the door. The husband was expecting me, but the wife was not. So the wife started to shout in Ghana that, ah, you said she should come in. Come in that what? She blasted the man. And the door was unlocked. So I just opened and I said, ah, this is how you speak to your husband. And she went, oh my God. Oh, and she ran into her room. I said, hey, today they have seen you live and in color. Oh, I didn't know it was you. Until I said, you don't have to know it's me. You don't need to know it's me. So let the wife see to it that she reverences her husband. Amen. Ladies, let us pray that we will always have the wisdom to be the president of our husband's cheer group. Life president. That type of position is not up for election. Don't let others praise your husband. And as for you, it's always criticism. The Bible says, as refining pot to silver, so is a man to his praise. Praise makes him a better person. I had once a program, LPBM, everybody was there, and I said, write 10 things that are positive about your husband. As I went around, blank sheet, blank sheet, blank sheet. <laughs> I said, why? I said, we don't have anything to write. I said, even if you don't have ten, don't you have two? He said, no, even two, we don't have. But to the glory of God, we did that exercise again after the meeting, and we got some. Nobody had a blank sheet. Amen. 
So instead of complaining, grumbling, complaining, everybody has something good that you can celebrate about the person. Amen. <laughs> Love. And what else? Bishop Sam said, keep. Let me see. <laughs> Honor and keep him. What makes him a kept man? What keeps him in the marriage? What keeps him faithful to you? Sisters, if you look good to get him, look good to keep him also. Amen. Look nice at home also. Not that you have a big stain of palm oil. You are busy staring. Your hair is somewhere. And the one goes, hey, I'm going to have Why? You can wear some smart jeans shorts with some shirt. You can decide that you wear a cap and you turn it this way. And he now when he comes and you are standing there, you say doom 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 janana bra. Amen, ladies. Learn to keep him. What is it that makes him happy? You see, marriage is sacrifice. It's more of the other person than yourself. So learn to keep him. Keep him satisfied. So that when he goes out, everything on the road is not interesting. Because he has eaten well at home. Amen, ladies. Keep him. Give him water every day. <laughs> and forsaking all other, keep the only unto him, so long as you both shall live. Nowadays, too many women are having funny relationships around. When you say, I do, you are saying, this is the one person. That's what makes marriage so different. This is the one person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. It's not easy to think that. You know? Some years ago, a lady who is a pastor's wife, not in our church anyway, in case some husbands get worried. She called me and she said, Sister Mommy, I work in this high corporate office and there's this guy, he's so nice to me, and I think nothing has happened, but I think I'm falling for him. <clears throat> By this time, she's married, she has three children. And I said, really? Why? She said, because he's in the office with me. This is my pastor husband, everyday visitation, he doesn't have time for me. So me, I don't see, by the time I'm coming, he came late and he's asleep. So when I go, this guy would always, every morning when he comes into the office, he has born, bought breakfast things, croissant, Danish pasties, sausage rolls. And then he comes and he says, oh, let's have breakfast. Let's have some tea. So they started to eat together. And she thought, oh, how tender and loving. Yeah. And then when it came to lunchtime, he would say, Oh, let's go out and eat. Let's have something to eat. So it 
started, if you like, innocently, but she was enjoying it. And before she knew, so she was telling me, where I have gotten to is very dangerous. Nothing has happened, but it's very dangerous. So what should I do? I said, well, the Bible says flee, so go and tell management to move him from your office. Hey, how? I said, either that or you move. And by God's grace, when she went to talk about she didn't say there's something. Well, she just said that, oh, she's a lady and she doesn't feel so comfortable with a guy in the office. So the guy left and then they brought another lady and she was okay, you know. And I know them very well, but I never told the man. But the marriage is working. <laughs> but I'm saying that to say that forsaking all others. When women are being unfaithful, you can't even see. Men leave telltale signs everywhere. But a woman. Ah. The Bible says that adulterous woman, she eats and she wipes her lips. And she says, I know no evil. So you said that forsaking all others. Now in the night, you are always calling an joke to your former boyfriend. Always. Before you say I do, ask yourself, can I spend the rest of my life, or am I prepared with this one man? When he develops a pot belly, I still love him. When he goes bald, I still love him. <laughs> Through all the changing scenes of life, forsaking all others. And I want to say that it's not by might. And it's not by power. But God gives us power. The Bible says it's by the Holy Spirit. So let's learn to be close to the Holy Spirit. Let's learn to tap into the strength of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will bring us to a good place. Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.